that moment, clearly I was at probably one of the lowest parts of my life and I did the same thing, but there was this like divine kind of intervention that happened. I was like, where there is darkness, there must be light. And so my eyes went to the healthy parts of who I was on the Enneagram and I saw a world-class leader, world shaker, justice seeker. You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Coke, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Coke, and I'm so excited about today's episode. I had an incredible interview with an incredible guest. It's been a long time coming, and I'm so grateful that she took time out of her incredibly busy day to chat with us all about the Enneagram and how it can be used in your leadership and within your team and your business. And I know you're going to leave with some crazy, amazing nuggets and inspired to do the work of self-awareness and learning about yourself. So Tracy O'Malley is our guest today. And Tracy doesn't have your typical highlight real bio, which is honestly what makes her so remarkably gifted at identifying blind spots and success blocks. She is a multimillionaire entrepreneur and she was not set up for success. In fact, the odds were definitely stacked against her. Tracy has been arrested. She's been blackout drunk, divorced with two little kids and broke, and had to rebuild her life and business from rock bottom without friends, network, or family, or the support that many people assume that she must have had. After reaching the top 1% of network marketers in the world, going from zero to millionaire in just 26 months, Tracy's missions shifted. Now her primary focus is coaching individuals, couples, and professional corporate teams to leverage their natural strengths and stressors to achieve unstoppable success. Tracy has a unique coaching style where she uses the Enneagram framework to uncover the patterns of how you interrupt the world, navigate your emotions and interpersonal relationships. And that's what we dig in on this episode. So I'm so excited for you to dig in. You can connect with her on Instagram at Tracy underscore O'Malley and get direct weekly coaching in your ear by subscribing to her podcast, The Leadership Formula. You can find it on all major platforms and so excited for this conversation and can't wait to hear your takeaways. All of her info, of course, is in show notes, but without further ado, let's dive in with Tracy. Tracy, 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 welcome to the show. I'm so excited. We're finally getting you on here and chatting about this meaty topic that so many of my clients ask me about all of the time is personality assessments, all of the things, and you are my resident Enneagram expert. So thank you so much for coming onto the show and welcome. It is absolutely my pleasure. I can't wait to chat and dive in with you. So let's dive in first with a little bit about your background. Can you give listeners your elevator pitch? Who are you? How did you end up even studying the Enneagram? I came into the Enneagram completely kicking and screaming, like resistance beyond belief. And, you know, 10 years ago, I was not at the best place in my life. I had just turned 40, coming out of a recession, coming off a divorce, coming off losing my own business. Um which was a whole big, perfect storm of chaos, right? And my coping mechanisms weren't the best. On paper, mm. I looked really, really great though. 
So I had the facade going and white knuckling my way through everything. And around that same time, I lost my dad to cancer after a 12 day cancer diagnosis. And it was pretty traumatic. Honestly, he was the strongest man I'd ever known. And within 12 days, you know, diagnosis to death, it was like this, what am I doing with my life moment? But I didn't know anything else. You know what we, we do what we were taught, told and modeled a lot of the time. And even though I wanted something different, I wasn't really knowing how to do something different. I was in the car industry at the time and an executive level selling cars, basically working with 300 used car dealers day in and day out. And although I'm tough as nails, that really was wearing on me. And the environment wasn't the healthiest culture. That's for sure. It's very cutthroat, yeah. which I do enjoy, but the ratio is about 1500 men to me. Wow. So I like that but it also was a lot. And after my dad died, the white knuckling hanging on by a thread wasn't working anymore. So I decided to get some tools in my toolbox and get some help with my coping mechanisms. Um, I had a kind of a dysfunctional relationship with alcohol. You know, I'm hundred percent Irish, so I'm kind of born to drink and fight. And I did that very well, both things, but it, it really wasn't great for motherhood or growing myself. So I needed to do something different there. So I got help with that codependency stuff, anger, like I threw all the cards on the table and checked myself into rehab and said, clearly my best thinking has gotten me here and I don't know another way. So let's kind of break this down. And my therapist on day two in rehab, she's a tough Texan and she wanted me to take the Enneagram assessment. And I told her to go F herself basically in not so many words. Um, I was very passionate. Is that what your Enneagram says usually? <laughs> yes, actually, <laughs> actually, yes. Like, so when we, we broke down who I am, I was like, well, this shit makes a lot of sense, you know, <laughs> but you know, she straight shot me when I was resistant to it. Cause I was like, listen, lady, I came in here with a crap ton of labels. I really don't need another one. I really mm -hmm. don't need another one. And I'm already feeling pretty crappy about myself. And she was so just direct, which I appreciate. And she said, my dear, your best thinking has gotten you here. And this actually might help you get out of the box. Not only you have put yourself in, but the world has also put you in. Mm. I was like, well, touche. She's got a freaking point there. So we started to dive into the Enneagram and I was mistyped originally. And we'll get into why that is and, and how we figured that out pretty quickly. And it didn't make a lot of sense. And we dove a little bit deeper. And when we landed on my Enneagram type, all of a sudden I was like, wow, yeah, check. Biggest asshole, uh, domineering, aggressive, all the things that aren't so pleasurable. And it's just like when we look in the mirror, we don't always look at the most beautiful parts of who we are. Yeah. And I don't beeline for my eyes or my smile or, you know, it goes right to the thighs every damn time in the mirror. And sometimes with yeah. the Enneagram or any of these other assessments or whatever it is, we looked for the negative. And in that moment, clearly I was at probably one of the lowest parts of my life and I did the same thing, but there was this like divine kind of intervention that happened. I was like, where there is darkness, there must be light. And so my eyes went to the healthy parts of who I was on the Enneagram. And I saw world-class leader, world shaker, justice seeker, all these things. I'm like, yes, I know that's in me. I know that's in me, but it's buried under all this wreckage. And so in that moment, I wrote down all the beautiful things about the Enneagram 8, which is what I am. I was like, that's the target. I got to at least know where I'm headed. The other thing that the tool gave me, especially at this moment in my life, was looking at myself through the lens of compassion and empathy rather than shame and guilt and freaking ego. 
you know, my therapist, I still see her to this day, 10 years later, she wrote the foreword in my book and she spoke of my robust ego when I walked in the door. Mm -hmm. And the gift of this also allowed me, instead of operating from the fear, the insecurity, the unworthiness, the shame, the guilt, and the ego, I was going to operate from compassion love, empathy, service, and grace. And when we operate from that place, the magic of who we are truly can come out. I'm still spicy. I'm still feisty. I'm still all those things, but the come from has shifted. The other thing that I recognized as I was sitting in rehab, you know, learning about the Enneagram was, oh shit. Oh shit. I have two children that clearly are not Enneagram eights. And I only speak this language and no wonder what I feel in my heart is not translating and able to be received by both my children who are very different from each other as well. And so I was like, gosh, I need to figure out what they are. And this is a really cool part of the Enneagram is you don't need to know and throw assessments at people in order to get really good at understanding the Enneagram. Because in reading this, I recognize very quickly, I have a two son and a seven daughter. And how I know this is based on their motive. So I was like, wow, this one's biggest fear is this, and this is what they're motivated by. This is this one's biggest fear, and this is what they're motivated by, and it's completely different from mine. And so there's this disconnect, and they aren't feeling seen, heard, understood, or valued for who they are. So I took this tool home, never mentioned it to them, not at all. Not how old were they? They were 14 and 15 at the time. Okay. And, you know, teenagers, and I was coming off not the best track record with them. I had lost a lot of credibility and trust with my unhealthy coping mechanisms. And I'm telling you, Jackie, overnight, just shifting the way I communicated with them, understanding the motives and the fears of their types changed everything immediately wow. overnight. You know, getting sober absolutely helped as well. But, you know, you can be sober and still be an asshole. Like you really can. And I was, you know, lots of that. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, but I was using some emotional intelligence to be a more effective communicator, especially with my home team. You know, the most important things and people in my life are my kids and still are obviously, but overnight everything shifted. And I was like, wow, there's something to this again, though. I never mentioned it. And this is what I really want people to understand about the Enneagram is you don't need to kind of go around, you know, talking about it necessarily to use the tool effectively. And for the, mm -hmm. for five years, I never mentioned the word Enneagram, but I've been an integrator and a scholar of it for 10 years, but only been talking about it for five. Wow. I have so much I want to ask. Yay. First, <laughs> I want to say thank you for being I mean, as long as I've known you, you've always just been so vulnerable, so willing to be honest. And I just think it's such a commendable trait. So thank you for showing up in the world in that way, because it just makes it so much easier for people, I'm sure listening to let their defenses down and like hear what you have to say. So thank you mm -hmm. first and foremost for that. And I'm so curious, oh my gosh, where do I want to take my next question? Okay. So you brought it to your home team, mm -hmm. like your home life, right? Mm -hmm. And I think about it kind of, it's similar to like the five love languages in a way. On steroids. Exactly. Yes. Having taken that, I've seen how that's helped totally. me so much in creating better relationships and all that stuff. And so for, you can definitely use these things at home mm -hmm. and within your personal life. And well, I guess here's the question I want to ask you. I spent a long time in corporate America left, started doing my own thing, got into personal development and started studying similar things to this. And then I went and worked at Lululemon 
And it was the first time that I saw you could blend personal development tools into the workplace. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so often we go on this personal development journey and we're like, okay, I'm going to wait for the perfect time to practice this tool that I've read about or learned Mm -hmm. when really you're showing up to work every single day and you're getting faced with the perfect opportunities to practice these things, Mm -hmm. but we don't. It's like we separate them so much. And so Lululemon was the first time that I was like, wow, we can bring these tools into the workplace. And I really fell in love with that. And I was like, I want to make this my mission to make better workplaces, Mm -hmm. right? And better workplaces are bosses that care about this. And then they go home and they have better home life too. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. And so that is a long winded roundabout way of me (laughs) asking is how do you think the entrepreneur, the boss listening to this episode can start with the Enneagram? Like where do they start? How can it help them? And then how do you recommend when you go into businesses, Mm -hmm. them bringing it into their business? Well, the most effective leaders know how to lead themselves. And what I usually like, you know, I work with a lot of big companies like Google, John Deere. I've worked, you know, extensively with many big corporations, C-suite executives and everything. And the first part I would like to say is, are you a leader that will go first? Right. Like you have to go first. Like the reason why this was effective first in my home and then in my business and then now in businesses with other people is because like I started, I'm very transparent. I'm very open. I'm very honest. And I'm always kind of digging a little deeper just because I teach this and know this and use it day in and day out. I'm still excavating and learning more about myself. So if you're a leader that, you know, is willing to go first, then you're the perfect candidate to bring this into the space. Because if you're kind of just saying, fix my people, tell me all they're good so I can better manipulate them. I know that might not be your approach to me, but I'll sniff it out. It's not going to work. They won't be receptive Mm -hmm. to it. And you all just wasted a bunch of time and actually you'll lose even more credibility and trust. Mm -hmm. But if you're somebody and, you know, culture, you know, this as well as I do, two of the main reasons why people will leave is not about money. It's the culture and opportunity for growth. Those are two of the main reasons why people will leave a place of work. And this can help you do both. Honestly, this can really help you do both. So what I usually will say is if you're the leader or, you know, you go first, spend some time with somebody like me um, to dive a little deeper so you can use the tool. You know, it's just like children. They will do what we do, not what we say to do. So the -hmm. reason why this has become so effective first in my home, then in my business, again, with nobody knowing I was living, breathing, you know, this tool is because I was constantly attraction rather than promotion. It's something I learned in recovery. It's like the reason why I am somebody that is a strong, powerful person in the recovery community is because I'm not like saying you all need to do this. I don't give a shit seriously, but the way that I operate and my energetic kind of being is people are drawn to that. And then they're curious. And because I'm transparent, then they're willing to dive deeper in a journey. When we use something like the Enneagram, it can be very vulnerable. You know, you deal with a lot of hiring people. If you're hiring somebody and saying, hey, take this assessment, nobody's going to want to do that. You know, it's a very vulnerable thing. So your approach has to be from the most integrity filled, honest place. And then you just bring the people on board, bring the people on board by you shifting. You know, it was about five years into the journey before I uttered the word Enneagram in my home. So the kids were over 18 by the time. Did I like calculate that and say, I can't share this with them till they're 18? 
No, but like, I don't want to label my kids either. But what makes me a better integrator as well is I also know, because I've been using it without projecting that onto them and it worked and it worked. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Like learn yourself first and then we can kind of have the compound effect throughout the the organization. Yeah. And it's more about learning, like you said, about yourself Mm -hmm. and not so much what your label is, what your number is, but it's about understanding what that means and how Mm -hmm. you show up in the world and how you interact with other people. It's more about like, I would imagine the, it's less about, oh, you're a two. So So I know that you're just going to, I don't know enough about the numbers to like have an example, but the biggest aha for me was by default, like when I was reading about the eight, I'm like, well, no shit. Check, 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 check. What was the aha moment for me was how others may receive me. And we have that personal responsibility. Does that mean I am a different person? No, absolutely not. But how I deliver my message, how I express it absolutely is my responsibility. If I want to be an effective leader, like I could get people to do what I wanted them to do for a long, long time, but it was mostly because they were afraid of me or afraid of the wrath of that. That is not leadership. That's a dictatorship. And so the aha for me, especially knowing, you know, what I have in my children, I was like, well, no wonder my son has major anxiety and is shaking when I walk in a room. No wonder my daughter is like this avoidant escapist in my life because of my presence and being aware of that. And so recognizing how other people might receive me, um, you know, with great reward comes great responsibility. And if you want to have a team that is flourishing and thriving and creating and doing all the things, you have a responsibility for how others might receive you. Now, you can't control how others people emotional and mental health is. Um, And I've experienced a lot of that lately. Like no matter how great I am, not everybody's going to receive my intention in the pure way that it is intended Right. And, you know, that's the beauty of this too, is you, you learn how to let some stuff go and let people 100%. go too. So listeners to the show often are smaller businesses, mm-hmm. right? You've mentioned some amazing companies that you work for, mm-hmm. and maybe there are some managers who work at those companies who listen yeah. to the show. But I do think a lot of um, folks who do listen are are probably more in the smaller business, right? They mm-hmm. have two employees, they have up to 20 employees. And I feel like they have it easier to be able to implement something like this than a large company, right? Like you get to make such an impact. And I think so often small businesses are like, okay, I'll do that when, when I get to this milestone, this revenue milestone, this Mm headcount milestone. And I Mm -mm. think so often there's so many business management books that speak to the fortune 500, not the fortune two people. Right. Um, (laughs) and so hundred percent, right. How, How have you seen smaller businesses be able to implement this easier than maybe some larger companies? Have you also experienced that? Yeah. And you know, my, it is not my favorite thing to speak at the front of a large, huge room, even though I've done it and I'm great at it. And you know, the ego likes it. Like I've done that, but I'm all about the intensity of the experience. And even, you know, with companies like Google and John Deere, I work with the pockets of the teams, right? Mm. Like you just said, because you know, it's like this, this ripple effect. Right. And so like your key leaders, you know, a good story about this is a company had hired me to do a keynote, the Enneagram stuff in front of the big whole company, which was great. I was awesome. But it was in the conversations with the president of sales and the president of marketing and the CEO. I was like, you know, that's great that you just did that for them. And they got all the right information. But you know what? It starts at the top. It starts with you. 
And now I'm on contract with them. I'm like their personal performance coach for the entire executive team. And now each executive has brought me into their individual teams, the sales team, the IT department, the finance department, the legal department. So now I've worked within those teams, but I agree the ripple effect of a small many doing this kind of work is magical and priceless. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially for small businesses starting out this way, it's so powerful because then anybody that you bring into the vision, the mission, the business, you're all going to be communicating more effectively right from the get-go. Just like with my home team, my most important team, I started with this. And you would think with three very, very strong personalities, we almost never fight. Almost mm -hmm. never. We bicker. And we have intense conversations, but it's, it's this mutual understanding of who each other are and meeting each other. So as a small business, this is the most beautiful time to bring it in, honestly. Yeah. Start right out of the gates with this kind of thing. Seriously, I would agree. So I think it might be kind of interesting to talk through how one might go about taking an assessment to learn mm -hmm. and then what type of information can be gathered from it. Right. So... I'll be a little vulnerable. I ended up taking the assessment. So do you want to talk a little bit about the assessment that you've created? And then maybe we can go into a little bit about what showed up for me and what I can learn from it, just so that listeners could get a feel for what they can gather if they decide to, to take your Enneagram assessment. Had you what ever did... taken an Enneagram assessment before mine? I think I did a quick five question one, yeah. one of those not very in-depth ones. It was super, super quick on- Do you remember a, what it said? I want to say it said I was a seven okay. or an eight. Okay. So this is, the, this is the catch with the Enneagram is the online assessments are inaccurate 65 to 70% of the time. Does that mean that they're crap and like you can't use them and they're, no, it's a great starting point, but it's not like human design where you type in your time of birth, your place of birth, the date of your birth and poof, all this magic comes. It does not work that way. Like the Enneagram is rooted in spirituality and psychology. That's kind of like they had a baby and it's this perfect storm. So yes, although I do believe we have this divine appointment and our type is who we're born with, but then we're dropped into these environments, family situations, and have these experiences that alter how that gets expressed. And so artificial intelligence does not take a lot of that into consideration. So if you're going to take anything that is a five question test or assessment to tell you who you are, probably, you know, you can gather, but even the paid ones, you know, I've used paid ones in the early parts of my journey. And I've done thousands and thousands and thousands of interviews and assessments with people. And those numbers of 65 to 70% are true, even with paid wow. ones. So that was my, so it's almost more hurt, like harmful it can to be. take them. Yes, yeah. it can be. But because a lot of people just want the quick answers. It's kind of like when we go to the doctor, it's like, just tell me something's wrong with me so I can do something about it. If you don't get to the root of what's going on with you and you just slap things on a symptom, you're going to have a bigger problem later. Same thing with something like the Enneagram. If you're just going to slap a type on you and you're using this actually as a roadmap, it'd be like wanting to go to San Diego and you wonder why you keep ending up in Mexico. You got the wrong coordinates. And so this is the problem with the Enneagram. And this is why it has taken me 10 years to get to the point of feeling really okay having a product and an assessment that people can go to that is accurate 95% of the time. And awesome. so I have tested it because I am somebody as an eight, like I have to be passion filled. I have to be like 
this is a hell yes for me to even ever promote it. And I'm at that point now. So you can take my assessment. It will be accurate 95% of the time. And you know, you'll get a blueprint about what that means. And the thing is, is with your Enneagram type, so often people just focus on the Enneagram type, but there's four other types connected to you in your framework. That really is the secret sauce to your growth. If we just fixate on who we are by default, it's kind of pointless. It's like, yeah, that's great information. But the real magic in the Enneagram happens when we know what to do with the framework that is tied yes. to your Enneagram type. You know, I, I use this analogy a lot. If you think about what's one of your favorite movies that you love? A League of Their Own. Love, love, freaking <laughs> love that movie. I was, Best movie ever. I was almost in that movie. Little fun fact. <gasps> no. Yes. Really? Yes. I almost was because it was oh um, tryouts, tryouts were down at Wrigley Field, actually. Oh, yeah. So anyway. Wait, what, did, what, what position did you play? Well, I played softball in college. So you I played did? first base. I pitched. I played outfield. I was like a wild we thing. We got though. to start a softball league <gasps> here. Okay. Anyway. So League of Her Own. Like any great movie that you love, if you think about it, it is not because of the one person. I mean, that movie specifically, if it was just Tom Hanks or Dottie, right? Like exactly. the reason why Gina Davis shined and the reason why Tom Hanks shined in that movie was the supporting cast, right? The reason why that movie was so damn good was the supporting cast. In oh, fact, perfect. Gina Davis was probably the weakest character in the whole thing, but she was the lead actress, right? The Enneagram is the same thing. My eightness is who I am. That's kind of my motive, my fears. Everything is housed in my eight. But what most of the world gets to see today is the supporting cast, which is the framework of my Enneagram type. And that's what makes me the best eight I can be, right? Mm. It's not because of my eight. Because honestly, running on only eight most of my life was, although, yeah, I could make things happen, I was very destructive. And I could mm. be reckless. And I could hurt a lot of people along the way. But I'm still an eight. But with the supporting cast in my framework, I am able to be that very best version of myself. And I don't energetically bankrupt myself so much, which is yeah. at my age, thank God for that. So I don't know if that really answered your question. 100% okay. answered my question. So, um, so where do they go? And I think it provided <laughs> a lot of clarity because I, what I would hate is for somebody listening to this episode and just run out and take the free assessment and just Please like don't. have their whole team do it and like have it not be as meaningful as it could be. So, so if you are going to take one of those online assessments, let's say you don't take mine and that's totally okay. What you need to go into it knowing is it's just a starting point and you are on a discovery process and please, for the love of everything beautiful, don't rush it. If you're going to go at this solo, you know, when I mentioned early on about my first experience with the Enneagram, I was mistyped as an Enneagram three and behaviorally, I absolutely can look very three-like. Most people probably would assume I'm a three because I see goals and I hit them. And in fact, I crush them, but I'm not motivated remotely like a three is not even a little bit. I am not significance driven. I don't need to be the best. However, I am motivated by independence and autonomy at all things. And so when I step on the gas and crush goals, it's because that's the motive. It's not the significance. Mm -hmm. It's not being the best, but behaviorally I can look very three like. So if you're taking an online assessment and you get this pop up, take the top three or four and really take your time diving into the motive, not the stereotype, not the memes, not the behaviors. Cause the behaviors a lot of times are your coping mechanisms 
or what you got significance from, or, you know, you learned how to be safe with those coping mechanisms, right? If you think about when I was taking this, I was not at a great place in my life. I was not. And so I was answering as though like, this is who I'm going to be. This is what I, this is how I operate. And so, you know, when you go to take it, just take your time with it or get in front of a guide like me that can, you know, fast track and accelerate your transformation and understanding this. And then you'll know you'll have the right information. And then what you do with it, it's priceless what you can do with it. Because you're not looking for a right or wrong answer. No, there's no right or wrong. looking for information. You want the one that is true for you. Because I remember early on in this journey, I wanted to be a three. Like we all envy the threes and they have their own kind of troubles and kryptonite in their life for sure. You know a few threes. And I remember it was maybe about a year after I got sober, I wanted to do like a fitness competition. I really, really did. And I, you know, I'm an athlete. I give me a challenge and I'll do it. But in my body, it was like a big hell no. It was a big hell no. And then I was like starting to, you know, judge myself. It's like, come on rally, rally. But that, that kind of industry is very significance driven. It's beautiful. It's very beautiful. And I admire it and I am not judging it at all. But for somebody like me, who's driven by independence and autonomy, that will give me none of that. And so it was like a big hell no in my body. And I was about six weeks in and I recognize that it's like, ah, it's because this isn't for me. It doesn't mean I suck. It doesn't mean I'm not equipped and capable to do it. It's just, that does not motivate me. And as an eight, if it doesn't light me up, I'm not freaking doing it. Yeah. Period. End of story. And so that's the gift of this as well. It's like, oh, I just, not only did I not go in a shame spiral or slip into old unhealthy patterns that I know very, very well with food, I actually honored who I am and I never felt better. That's amazing. So I have some exciting news I haven't even shared with you. I have somebody joining my team very soon who is a former employee of mine. So she worked for me for like two years and she has joined the team really as a partner on the recruiting side of my business. So I took your assessment, which was really fun and did not take that long. And I definitely found myself, oh, okay. I when I was answering some of the questions, I was like, I want my answer to be this, but this is actually how I feel. So it did kind of force me to be honest. Right. But knowing that she's joining my team, what would be helpful for me to know as a leader, knowing that I'm growing my team and I have somebody who's going to be working with me now? Maybe that would be helpful for listeners and for me personally to know what kind of information you can garner about yourself when you take one of these. So there's kind of two routes you can take. Obviously, if you have really open, honest dialogue with each other and they know your motives are pure, most people are going to be open to learning more about themselves through an assessment or, you know, working with somebody like me, you know, they're going to be open. So that's cool. Going back to the five years that I never mentioned the word Enneagram, but was still using it in everything I did, including building a million dollar organization, a sales team that was pretty darn amazing and had a lot of women that I'd never worked with before. And one of the things that you can get really skilled at in understanding the Enneagram, even if you never use the assessments, is understanding the different centers of intelligence. So even though there's nine basic Enneagram types, they're put into three centers of intelligence. And if you think about it, we use all three of them. We all use our instinct, we all use our heart, and we all use our brains, right? The first thing though is our own intuition. And a lot of times 
most of us, because of things we've experienced, we bypass our intuition and we go into whatever our center of intelligence that dominates is. And your core Enneagram type falls into that center of intelligence. And what I did for the first five years is really started asking more curious questions of people because I wanted to understand what their biggest fear was and what motivates them. Now, don't just say that like, so what motivates you? There's usually like a six degree of separation before you get to the root of it. And people are going to manufacture their answer to whatever you really want, especially if you're hiring or in a workplace. It's right? the boss. Yeah. Exactly. I totally would have manipulated this whole thing had I known what the hell I was doing originally mm -hmm. to not be controlled, right? So learning about the centers of intelligence in the instinctual center of intelligence is just a little nugget about the Enneagram are three Enneagram types. It's the eight, the nine, and the one, the challenger, the peacemaker, and the reformer. All three of those types are motivated by independence, autonomy, and control. Now, how it looks for the eight, the nine, and one could not be more different. Obviously, the, the, the challenger is more aggressive and the peacemaker is more kumbaya. The one is more about attention to detail and like rules and right and wrong. Very different and how they go about getting it also can look very different. But really, when I know I have somebody that is motivated by independence, control, autonomy, it's like, well, at least I have an eight, nine or a one. And I can start to True. like get curious and dig a little deeper to kind of yeah. see where I land. In the feeling center of intelligence are the two, three, and four. And they are motivated by a need for significance, right? It's how I knew I was not a three, not even a little mm -hmm. bit, because I am not remotely motivated by that mainly. There's an element of that because we do use that, but not in my day-to-day. -day. And how they seek that significance looks very different. For two, it's what they do for others. For three, it's what they achieve or how they appear in the world. For the four, it's an internal job right? And how they go about that, again, looks very, very different. But if you can pinpoint that somebody's motivated by a need for significance in all they do, boom, you know, at least like we're operating here, you can dangle a different mm -hmm. kind of carrot than you can for somebody like me. And then in the thinking center of intelligence, it's the five, six, and seven, which is where you fall. So these three types need certainty. They need to know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? They're forward thinkers, right? They're in the, the future. The fives need certainty that they're equipped and capable and have resources available and are knowledgeable. The sixes need certainty that they're not going to get blindsided. And the sevens, which is what you are, need certainty that all options are available to you and anything is absolutely possible. Period. End of yes. story. Now, how like all three that. of those types go about that also looks very different. But this is the secret. Learn the centers yeah. of intelligence like the back of your hand. It's what I did for five years. And once I knew where they landed, I could dig a little deeper and then lead accordingly. You know, in that sales organization, I was able to help seven people become millionaires in that sales organization. And out of those seven people, they're represented by six different Enneagram types and not one is an Enneagram eight like me. Wow. And not, not one of them actually no. take this. No, no. not one of wow. them during that whole time. And when they were asking me to speak on stages, because they're like, how did you develop all these dynamic, different people? I never shared. <laughs> it's part of my eightness is like wanting to like hoard that part of who I was. But, you know, I was like, this is how I was able to effectively lead all these different types of people. They never knew I was using it. My kids never knew I was using it. So as a leader, you have those two options. Learn about the center's intelligence to be a more effective communicator. You'll get things like, are you reading my mind? Are you like, people think I am a mind reader. 
like even within a few minutes, they're like, this is bizarre. I feel like you've known me my whole life and I just met you five minutes ago. It's because I ask really great questions to get to the root of things, to really understand who it is in front of me so that I can have a better conversation, even if it's in the grocery store. I really yeah. just am here about the journey. But you know, when you go and you have this honest conversation and dive into this with your team, it's really cool because then you're all using the same framework and not the same yeah. methodology. You know, I was kind of going rogue with it those first five years. Nobody else knew I was using this, but I think the more trendy it has become, which is why I do this work because it pissed me off that it was trendy. It really made me mad because they were making light of it. It's like, you guys don't even know. You yeah. don't even know the power and beauty in this tool. And that's why this is what I do day in and day out because it pissed me off. That's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. So do you have like five questions you, you remember that you would ask people on your team, or do you have any good questions that leaders listening to the show, maybe it's three or I don't know, it doesn't have to be a number, but are there some good questions that you think people can ask of their team during one-on-ones that you know, could be helpful? I probably should think about this a lot because I get asked this question a lot. And so mm -hmm. much of, of this is intuition. Yeah. Um, so much it's like of interviewing. It. it is. It's just it comes with time. You know, I don't have my own agenda going into it other than really wanting to know what makes this person tick for the greatest good, not for my own agenda. So I will say that like a lot of this is intuition and we have to clear out that center of intelligence sometimes because my instinct is to be reactionary. Like that instinct is a reaction. Intuition is an inner knowing. And so mm -hmm. kind of dropping into like, I really want to know who this person is because I care about the human experience. Um, but I probably should think up some questions. Yeah. One of the things I do ask people quite often, and it's deep, and a lot of you might be like, geez, you go there that quickly? Yes, I do. Because I don't want to waste a moment of this time on earth. And if you can't handle a deep conversation, we have no reason to at least speak right now. We really don't. <laughs> I'm just that person. I'm intense. I'm a lot of energy. I accept that. It's what makes me great. It also is a little repelling to some people. Because not honestly, I think... If you're going to be a boss, yeah. it's better to have a strong personality so you repel the ones that are going to hate working with you instead of just getting a bunch of mediocre people. So but, I think it's a great quality. But strong energy is also very sturdy and you can rely on it as well, as long as it's mm -hmm. um, channeled properly, right? Yeah. And, and I do channel that properly. So like one of the questions that like I ask when I'm doing typing interviews is, you know, what's something that keeps you up? at night? What's something that will wake you up out of a sound sleep and then you can't go back to sleep? What are you thinking about? I mean, right now I can think of what's kept me up the last two nights and it has mm -hmm. everything to do with my independence and autonomy. But that is a yeah. question that really opens up the channels. Yeah, and again, sure. just like with the Enneagram process, don't rush it. Don't rush it. I can do it pretty quickly because I've been doing it for so long. You know, this is a muscle that you have to build and we don't go to the gym tomorrow and have a J-Lo booty the next day. It takes an unconditional commitment to the resistance that you have to keep adding and keep adding to build that muscle. And you have to be committed and consistent with that process. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I'm so good at getting to the root of it quick is because I do it every day for like 10 years. So just yeah. be gentle with yourself and the other person. Take your time with it. I know because this information is so juicy and once you drink the Enneagram Kool-Aid and know the beauty and power in this, I know why you want to rush it, but please don't because you'll end up turning people off from it. But just drop in and, and really like just want to know them. The questions yeah. will come. 
And even in an interview, even if you're hiring, especially if you're a small business owner, especially if it's a personal brand, this is another baby for you. You really want the right person with you, not just one that is shiny and says all the right things to you. So that's actually a great next question that I have is, can this be used in the hiring mm -hmm. and interviewing process? And how have you seen businesses use it in that way? I mean, it's a little tricky for HR. Obviously, you know, drop in assessments. HR does not love that, which I totally get. That's why, you know, if you are somebody that's in charge of hiring, really understanding the centers of intelligence, you don't have to ever mention the word Enneagram, but you can kind of narrow it down. The other thing I'll say about this is, is yeah, there are definite gifts and skill sets for each Enneagram type, but any type that is at their healthiest can do anything. But we really want to be in our zone of genius and our sweet spots typically. So I was working with a team, um, a medical office out in Washington, very small family owned business. I think there were six or seven people in the office and the leader, the doctor actually was a seven as well, a visionary, like no stupid ideas. Like that's a seven's genius. It's like anything's yeah. possible. And she really was feeling depleted. And so when we were working with her team, we found her entire team was filled with nines. Now nines are great for patient care. They're very welcoming and non-judgmental, and their energy is calm and it's beautiful. But as far as systems and, and integration of systems, they're not great at that. And mm -hmm. I was like, listen, like your team is great and we can use them where they're great but you need people that are integrators and none of these people, like if you tried to force it on them, you're not going to get the best out of them. Doesn't mean they can't because the leader, the seven was doing it. And she was like, imagine you having to put systems and, and structure into place all day long, every day based on your own vision. Like you would yeah. be sucked Tough. energetically day in and day out. Could you I do it? I do it. Yes. I can. And I have. Yes. And it sucked. Yes. So, <laughs> so when I was telling her, I was like, you need an integrator. Let's look for possibly a healthy six, a healthy one. Um, even a three might be good, but a three might move on to another shiny object later or a five. Like let's look for people that are more systematic and attention to detail and don't need significance maybe, and maybe aren't just all inpatient care. Let's get an integrator. And so, you know, moving forward, I'm like, don't lose any of these people. They're great, but you don't have the right people in the right positions right now. Right. And so, so if you do bring that into the team, that's a really interesting point. It's like, if you bring this into your current team, you may find that people are not in the right seats for mm -hmm. the long term, but that doesn't mean you fire them. No, that just means like, Hey, you're not having the most fulfilled job right now, huh? They and will be so relieved if you exactly. said that. You're like, and if you are somebody that's leading people, you want them to shine. That's how you get the best out of them. And they're going to go exactly. home and be a better mom, a better dad, a better partner to their person, whatever, better friend to their people. They're going to attract better people. When we are radiating at our highest energy vibration, Everything about our life gets better. Our health, right. our relationships, the people we attract, the abundance financially, everything. And if you are a leader, you want that for your people. So having an honest conversation delicately sometimes, depending on who's in front of you, because, you know, some people might panic like, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. Right. So listen, right. I want you to be shining in your gifts and I'm not saying you couldn't do this. You could, but I don't want you to be depleted doing it. Let's make some right. shifts and, you know, Ideally, what do you want to be doing day in and day out in this vision? They might be afraid to answer you. 
they probably will a lot of times. But the Um, more trust and credibility you build and that you really are in this for their greatest good as well as your businesses, you will get so much more out of them. And it can be incremental. Absolutely. It can be like, hey, let's take this off of your plate and put this in. How does this feel? It can be a gradual thing. And I just think, you know, I always say this is the best leaders just treat their team like they treat any other relationship. It's not rocket science. It really isn't. My former boss was just on the show and Mm. she said, it's simple, but it's not easy. And that's what it is, right? Um, And this, this Enneagram thing is not complicated, but it's complex. And one of, one of the things that you can operate whenever I open my mouth, like if I don't feel like being nice and I want to be spicy and salty, I really just don't go around people. Like I really, really don't. And I'm very mindful of that energy, but that's only like 5% of the time. But anytime I open my mouth, whether it's to my kids, to people that I'm confronting in workplaces, you know, mastermind team mates, anybody. I'm always kind of looking at how to communicate in a way of they know what's in it for them. Always. What's in it for them? Because we're all self-absorbed at some level. We're all kind of looking out for ourselves. Even the most compassionate Enneagram 2 is still sometimes giving to get, right, for their significance. So when we can operate in a place of what's in it for them, not in self-abandonment, and not in codependent behaviors, but in a way, like how can I communicate this in a way that they're able to receive it? Period. End of story. I don't need to be right all the time. I don't need to be in control all the time. I want to be effective because if I'm going to open my mouth and exude any energy that we don't get back, I want to be the most effective person I can in love, in leadership, in friendship, in all the things that I do. And so when we can operate in the what's in it for them, Because I guarantee whoever you're talking to is thinking, what's in this for me? Yeah, always. Except right now, I'm thinking about what's in it for you. (laughs) So as we start to wrap up here, I want to get a blueprint for Molly, who's joining my team. Yay. I feel like I might know since she worked for me for two years, but I really want to know because I love her and I want to create a really great working relationship. How would I and listeners get one of these amazing blueprints that you've created? Where do I get that for her? And and where can we direct listeners? Very, very cool. It's been this labor of love that I am obsessed with. And I don't get obsessed with many things, but I am obsessed with this beautiful thing that I have created because I think that having this beautiful information can really change the trajectory of your life in the most beautiful, fulfilling, abundant ways. So you can go to tracyomalley.com, the work with me section. Um, it might even pop up on the homepage at this point. The The website, when we're recording this, is getting uploaded probably this week. Um, but you can find the blueprints there. Um, definitely don't take this and ask anybody else for feedback while you're taking my assessment. Give yourself about 30 minutes of a calm energy. Don't rush it get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or sit out somewhere in nature and really just go inward and be really radically, beautifully, compassionately honest with your truth. Um, And then, you know, you'll have the roadmap to your soul blueprint, quite honestly. And what's cool about the Enneagram is, is, you know, we are born these divine, innocent, beautiful creatures. We really, really are. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we have things happen and, you know, some things are really 
horrible sometimes. I grew up in an alcoholic home. Like everything about who I was got altered in growing up that way. And what the gift of the Enneagram can do for you and the people that you love and lead in your life is really bring me back. It's brought me back to that innocence and that playfulness and that before the world kicked me in the teeth a little bit and before I kicked myself in the teeth a little bit. And I can take all the beautiful gifts of who I am with the wisdom and the compassion that I now operate with 50 years of experience under my belt to be the very best me I can be. Wait, 50? Yeah. That cannot be possible. I just turned 50 a few months ago. Oh my God. I would never. Ah. Well, you definitely have the wisdom. You do not have any of the wrinkles. Well, I have the children. (laughs) I have a 24 and a 25 year old now. now, So there's that. (laughs) Yeah. So go to tracyomalley.com to learn more about that or on Instagram. I'm at Tracy underscore O'Malley. Amazing. And we'll link everything in the show notes. And I'm sure you are going to get lots of people reaching out wanting your help and support. And the more you can implement these things into your team, the better culture, the better environment you're going to have for your team. And as Tracy said so many times, the ripple effect that will happen. So thank you for all of the work that you do. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely getting my blueprint. Molly's going to get hers. And I'm so excited to see about the culture we can create. And I just think you, you never stop learning, right? Like I love this stuff. You love this yeah. stuff. And it just takes practice. And as a leader, it takes practice. And these are the tools that you can use to help you get better. Reps build so, confidence. Reps build confidence, 100%. not knowledge. It's, it's the 100%. actual action and integration of this. Inf- like information doesn't equal transformation. The integration of the information does. So I, I'd, be, drop. I'd be honored to uh, help you guys learn how to integrate this in all areas of your life. It's, it's Amazing. pretty damn powerful. And I think for so long, I didn't want to talk about it because I thought it was just so basic or I'm more than just the Enneagram girl. But if I really keep it simple, sweetheart, what was the tool next to my own faith and some recovery tools that have, have allowed me to step into this beautiful version of myself the last decade and it has everything to do with the Enneagram. So to be able to pay forward the very thing that really helped me um, make sense of who I am and to honor all parts of who I am, why would I not share this with the world in the most beautiful way? So I love what I do. I love what I do. Well, you can definitely tell. Mm. And I'm so grateful that you came onto the show. Thanks for having me. To share all of your wisdom with all of us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody go get your blueprint, follow Tracy. She's full of spicy, amazing content. So definitely give her a follow on Instagram. I appreciate you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Listeners, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning into the show and have a good rest of your day. If you're not driving, stop and take a moment to share this episode with someone who you thought about while listening. Share it with your team to show them you're committed to their growth. Share it with a fellow business owner in your network who you know will be moved by the message. Heck, share it with your mother, your brother, your sister, or your cousin. Your support in growing the show means the world to me.